Most studio owners decide to open their fitness and wellness businesses because they want to help people and add more meaning to their lives. Their heart is in the right place, they're great people, but scaling a profitable business that feels incredible to own and run is trickier than ever before. So where they get stuck is no one's ever shown them how to run a wildly successful business without the overwhelm and the chaos. Plus, they're doing it all alone. Until now. Welcome to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast for ambitious boutique studio owners who are allergic to average and know they're capable of more. They're just missing the how. I'm Dozer, your host, CEO and founder of the Geronimo Academy, and together with my crew and my community of owners and managers who are the doers and the implementers, we are on a mission to pioneer a better way to own and operate a health and fitness business while building a life you love, not hate. So if you're ready to push the boundaries, level up your money, meaning and impact, and stop doing it alone, then you're in the right place. This is going to be raw and unfiltered, zero bullshit. So take a deep breath, strap yourselves in, and let's get fucking started. Welcome back to the Jordan Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Dozy, your host, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you back here. Now, listen, I want to thank you so, so much. Before we go any further, I want to thank you so, so much for your reviews, the feedback, the DMs, your text messages. It's so funny. I actually put off putting this podcast together for about three years because I really felt kind of self-conscious about there's so many podcasts out there. Why the hell would anyone listen to this one? So I really wanted to make the absolute best podcast for you and one that you love listening to every week, you'd come back to, you feel good after it. And yeah, so absolutely pumped for that. If you get something out of an episode or want to hear us cover another topic, please let me know, okay? I'm totally open to all that kind of stuff. Now, today's episode is a long one. And before we go any further, I need to place a trigger warning that this episode discusses drug and alcohol use, some gambling, addiction, and suicide. If you or someone else you love needs support, I want you to head to beyondblue.org or for 24-hour free counselling in Australia, the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14. What I want you to take out of this episode, you know, if you're on a mission, you're building something that you're proud of. It's about how we bounce back from struggle and it's about how we honour the struggle and how we can use that to fuel us and fuel the meaning behind the movements we create rather than adopting a victim mentality and thinking that the only option is to give up on our dreams. You're going to meet my mate Trav and we're going to discuss not only Trav's journey to hit rock bottom, but also the journey out of there as well. What it took for him to become reborn, to go from nothing to building a million dollar studio, the habits and practices he implements and what it really takes now for him to win every single day and create not just a gym, but the best part of their members' day. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Jerome Unfiltered Podcast. I am Dozer, and I'm here with my business partner, Young Benny. Hello, hello. And we've got a very special guest today. His name is Travis. This is true. My name is Travis. Travis Gregory. Travis Gregory Young. So just to set some context for the listeners and the audience, if anyone follows you, they'll know you as Travis Young, owner of Reborn, local personality. You're a husband, father. You have a you know million plus studio. You're a client of ours in the Geronimo Academy and all that sort of stuff, right? But I don't want to talk about any of that, no. okay? In this podcast, we're not going to talk about how you get your organic leads. We're not going to talk about how many times a day you post on social media. We're not going to talk about any of that shit. What I want to talk to you about is your origin story, okay? Yeah. I want to kind of scratch below the surface a little bit and understand what the defining moments were 
right, that you've had along the way to create the person that you had to become. I want to uncover. I want to get under the hood, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. We're getting dark. And I just want to understand, like, what fuels you? You're a high performer. You're resilient and you are ambitious. What fuels you? What drives you? What do you really think it takes to win? Okay? So before all of that, yeah, I want to talk about the person you had to be to even have this opportunity that you have right now. Yeah. Ahead of you. Okay? So we're going to go deep together? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You get really deep. Okay. I got the tissues out for a reason, brother. They are here. They are here. All right. So, who the fuck is Travis Young? All right. So, I'm Travis Gregory Young. Yeah, sorry. Of course. Half Chinese like yourself. You're welcome. There you go. Everyone's welcome for that. I've been a business owner now since I was 19. So, I did my, my personal training course when I was 19. I started personal training just at a, at a local park. I had a rubber band and a set of dumbbells two girls and that slowly built up as I started building a little gym at my parents' house. Um, and after about a year, maybe a year and a half, I ended up getting a factory around the corner from here called Keeper Young. Nate Dog was actually there too. Yeah. And we started that and we ran that for six years and everything went really, really well considering that we made every single mistake you possibly can. I listen to your boy's origin story too. Like, <laughs> we made a few. Props to the place, bro. <laughs> where you, there is a mistake to be had, we had it. Yeah. So I'll just give a little story about how loose we were back in the day. There was a time when we were running a challenge. It was our first one. I think we did 12 weeks to way too long. And uh, one of our clients come in and goes, did I pay you boys last week? And we were like, I think you gave us 50 bucks. And I looked at my business partner at the time and he goes, yeah good enough yeah right okay <laughs> that was our system yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. how that's how loose we were you know two 20 21 year old kids mm. getting after it mm. so i learned every wrong mistake you can do in business through that six years but in saying that i had a hell of a time doing it it wasn't until the last 12 to 18 months where things really started unraveling for myself personally and that obviously went through to the business as well so in 2014, like I said, business is going well, especially for two young kids that you know, don't have a clue what they're doing. But at the same time, I was starting to struggle with those three things that happened in 2014. The first one being that I got told I was going to be a dad and uh, I was 24 years old and I'll be honest, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to be a dad. I, was, I, I didn't have the skills, although I, I thought you know, uh, my ego would say that I was good to go. I wasn't ready. And on top of that, the girl that I was having the kid with, I wasn't in love with her. And I didn't know why. I didn't know why I didn't want to be with this girl. She's beautiful. She's everything that you'd want in a girlfriend. But for some reason, there was something in my gut that was telling me that I didn't, I didn't want to be there. And so me being a male who puts on a strong facade, I don't want to go and talk about my feelings to my mates mm. or I don't want to go and tell anyone else that I'm struggling with these issues. And Rather than starting to communicate these you know, feelings that I'm having, I would escape through drugs and alcohol and gambling. Now, in particular, gambling, when I was 18, I knew that that was a problem. Drugs wasn't a problem. I didn't start actually taking cocaine until I was 21. And drinking was always the same as everyone else. Mm. Right? But through this time, I started delving a little bit further. You know, a Friday night ended up going to Saturday morning. And rather than me, you know, being able to have these conversations with the people I need to have these conversations with, I wouldn't. I would escape through drugs and alcohol and gambling. What was the gambling like? What were you doing? 
So when I first started, it would just be, you know, $1.50, $3 hits and things like that. It was always pokey sure things, always pokies. Yes. I wasn't a very good punter on the horses. I'd only pick your farm numbers and colors and names. It's not a very good system. No. I can tell you it's not a very good system at all. But yeah, pokies say the lowest of low when it comes to, to gambling as well. So I, I was doing- Why do you say that? Is it because it's just- well, It's rigged. You can't win the- Yeah, yeah. It's not a, you know, at least with like- with horses, I suppose you can put a bit of, you know, theory behind it. Oh, this is, yeah, okay. this horse runs better on a wet track or whatever it is. I don't know. Well, neither is Like I said, numbers, colors. Yeah. Six and two, baby. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's, that strategy didn't work, hence where I ended up. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wasn't having these conversations. And then one of my, um, my mates that I was training at the time passed away when he was away overseas. And I just went on this downward spiral and, and I was having bender after bender. It was like six months of having a bender. And I just kept going, kept going right up until the point that when my first son, so Jet, when he was born, a weekend before that, I went from Friday all the way to the Sunday. And I remember it was a Monday night and Em woke me up and she's like, my water's broke. And it was 11 o'clock on the, on the Monday. And I'd just done a whole day's work. So I was already tired from that plus the weekend. I went in, we went into labor and it was 22 hours and I was in and out of sleep the whole time. I don't remember a thing. First kid ever born. I remember when Jet was born, the doctor handed me Jet and I would have held him for like two or three minutes. And then I put him back down. I was like, I'm too tired. That was my first kid, you know? So like I didn't get to enjoy that moment and- I didn't see that that was a rock bottom. I didn't see that that was a problem. For me, I was just doing what every other, you know, boy my age was doing and I just continued on as well. So what was going through your mind? Not much. That time. Not much. I was, you know, I was still trying to escape the realities of life. Mm. I just had a kid. Just right. escaping, right? Just a coping mechanism. Just Yeah. Yeah. So the, what was going through my mind was I was just like, all right, when's the next party that I can go to so I can escape reality? You know, because what, what I'm dealing with in reality is too much. I didn't want to be that, but I had to be that. You know, I was so young. For the next six weeks after that, I continued to like bend up and it was like, all right, I haven't seen Dozer in two weeks. Let's go on a wedding of the baby's head. Oh, Benny, I haven't seen you in three weeks. You can join in too. So every weekend, it was a new guy, another person, another party that I was having a wedding of the baby head. And um, yeah, six, six weeks straight of my son's, you know, life, I was just on a bender, on a bender, on a bender. And then what was the home life like with the, with the missus? Not good. Not good. So she was at home and, and to add fuel to this fire as well with the, with the missus, I was in love with another girl. All right. So I ended up breaking up with them about two months after Jet was born and I started seeing Chloe and yeah, being like quite well known around the area, both of us, it didn't, you know, no one really took to that too lightly. And I understand ethically why people saw it as the wrong thing. I don't know why for so long that I didn't feel like I should have been with them because it, it wasn't until I started seeing Chloe where I was like, all right, I get it now. Mm. Like, there is something different out there. So I started seeing Chloe and from the start of 2015, I actually went three months sober. And through that three months, I was just training, right? So the thing about addicts is when you have an addiction to something or, or a couple of things, and you erase those things, you fill with another void. Mm. Right? So what I did was I was training two, three times a day. I got massive too. I was just training. I was getting ready for the- your addiction. It became my addiction. Now, I didn't touch cocaine or drink. I then started taking prescription drugs. So Valium, Zennies, Endones, these types of things. Now, 
when I was drinking and gambling, I was filling that void. Now I was filling that void with overtraining, Zannies, Endones, and Valiums. Also, my gambling just was going through the roof. Like I just was going so hard at this because I had more time on my hands because I wasn't hungover. So although I was much healthier, my addictions got worse mm. and, you know, they expanded. So I went 12 weeks sober as, and then after that 12 weeks, I played a game of footy. It was my first round. And then the next day I went and did sprint training with Roger Fabric. And we did 10 hill sprints. I was on the last hill sprint. And when I was running up the hill, bang, tore my hamstring. And I tore my hamstring twice before this. So I knew it was a bad one because it felt like someone slapped me on the back of the leg and, and straight away I couldn't move my leg. And I went and got it checked out the next day. I was a grade three. So I was eight to 12 weeks on the sidelines. So there goes my void of training every single day. Well, you know, there's always other ways you can, but my mindset back then didn't have any me to just train up a body. Like I was all in, all out. All out. That's probably 90% of my problem, right? I'm either going to be the best at, at everything good or I'm going to be the best at everything bad. No matter what, I'm going to be the best. You're That's, just maxed out. Either. I'm maxed out. I'm 100%. I'm all in. doesn't matter if it's good, bad, ugly. Like I'm in. That's how you boys see me now. Yeah. So I go 12 weeks, no drinking, bang, snap my hamstring. And on that Friday night, I'm like, oh, I'll go for a couple of beers. I burn it. You know, I've been 12 weeks sober. I'll be good. And, you know, like I won't be able to go as far as I, like I used to anyway. I went, went and had a few beers. I went from Friday to Sunday Arbo. It was like I never left. If anything, I'd improved. I went all the way through, not a problem. So on the Monday, I went to work, did the whole day's work. On the Tuesday, did the whole day's work. And I, man, I, was, I just remember being so, so tired. I got to the Wednesday and I had two classes, two PTs. Not only did I miss my alarm, I missed my alarm for three hours. So I woke up, when did the last PT that I had, came back and I just fell straight back asleep. For the next three, four days, I couldn't stay away for more than two, three hours. Like I just overtrained myself for the last 12 weeks. Then went on a three-day bender off the back of that. Plus I was pumping prescription drugs for fun. I remember getting in my car, like just down the road here, getting in my car, having two Valiums, a Zenny and an Endone in the car getting home, eating my dinner, and like my head would almost be hitting the plate by the time I finished eating. After I'd have a shower, I'd have another two volumes, Zannies, and then uh, I don't think, judging by your boy's face, I don't think you've ever... I don't even know what those things are. Yeah, don't worry, you don't want to. So like for a Zanny, they come in these, are called bricks. If you had like half of one of them, I could knock you out eight hours straight. For, for someone that hasn't had one before, I was having two of them, Endones, Valium, Valiums with Muscle Relaxer. Yeah, so... My addiction to prescription drugs had gotten so bad that I ended up having like chronic fatigue because of everything that I was doing to my body. Like I said, I was 100% in and everything I was doing didn't matter whether it was good, bad or ugly. I was all the way in. Up until now, what's happening at work? Does it spill over into work yet? Not really. No. Like I had a really good facade. Mm, so I really good mask. You were like a high functioning addict. Yeah. I don't know if you call me an addict at this stage just yet. I know it sounds ridiculous because there's more. Yeah. So- the next like six months is a proper blur for me. Like a real deep, yeah, real deep. So the first like eight months of jets. Yeah. Yeah. First, no, longer. First probably 12, no more, 14 to 16. First, first year and a half of yeah, yeah. firstborn's life. Yeah. Till my was a blur. So from 2014, he's born in October till 2016, March is, you know, there's three months where I was clean. And then there's, there's this next part. 
it's just a blur, boys. I was, I had chronic fatigue, so I literally couldn't keep my eyes open for like more than two to three hours. So do you know what I thought would solve that problem? More cocaine. Genius, right? Very smart. So this is where all my addictions really started rolling into one. So I started going on these one-on-one benders, just me and myself. And I'd have a bender at home and then I'd get in my car and I'd pretend to go to work and I'd drive. Like there was times where I drove to like Wollongong on my own, just getting on the bags by myself and then drive home and then find a a pub or a leagues club that was open and go gamble. What were you thinking? Like what was going through your mind? So you're just chasing this high that's not coming. Actually, you're not really chasing a high. You know what you're chasing? Numb. You want to be numb. You don't want to feel anything. Because when I would win on the pokies, I didn't care. I didn't care if I won. I didn't care. I was just happy. When I say happy loosely, I was just content to be there and be in my own little world and not have to worry about anything else, right? Because it would make me numb to the world, to reality, to the, all the problems that were in my life. When do you think that started? Like if we just took a step back, was there a reason for the start of you know, because we hear that everyone's either upward spiraling or, or it's a downward spiral. Yeah. The trick is knowing the first day the downward spiral started. Look, a lot of people when they go through addiction, it comes back to trauma, right? And I learned a lot about that, but like I hand on heart, like, you know, Nate's my cousin, he's standing in the room, he knows my family. I, I never had any family trauma. I never had any of these things. I was just that kid that danced to the beat of my own drum. I did what I wanted, how I wanted, when I wanted, and it just... Like I said, if I was doing it good, bad, didn't matter, I was 100% in. Now, I do remember the first night when I was taking cocaine, it was a New Year's Eve, and had a line, and then I had this real rush of like, I need another one, and I remember it was anxiety, and I've never had anxiety before that. This is well before we got into, you know, downward spiral number two, and that moment kept coming up more and more and more frequently, where I have one and then I need another one really soon. Have another one that I was like, I need another one really soon. So I think for me, it wasn't necessarily a moment. It was the death by a thousand cuts, which is life. Like these aren't things, oh, poor me. This is life. Things happening to me at work or things happening in my relationship or things just not going my way. And me being a spoiled brat, being a person that is like entitled, because I have and had this ego, but I'm, I'm aware of my ego, understanding back then that I would think that, no, I'm entitled to this. So rather than me dealing with these problems and having conversations and being able to, you know, address these problems, I was never accountable to myself. Would you, looking back at your upbringing, yeah. would you consider yourself being spoiled? Yeah, by my mum. But my dad, my dad was really good to me. So when I say good, he's hard. He was hard on me. So he taught me accountability. My mum would let me get away with everything, right? So I used to think my dad was so hard. I mean, I used to be so angry at him for, you know, telling me what to do. And I remember this realization when I ended up going to rehab was when I, I realized how good my dad was for me. Because if it wasn't for dad, I could have gone anyway. For my type of personality, you have to be hard on me. You have to keep me in line because I'm going to tiptoe the boundaries. I'm going to push the boundaries. I'll find out where the boundaries are and then I'll take three more steps after it every single time. So was that always what's going on? Like you were always just always, pushing the edge. Always pushing the edge. mum and dad. Like it was, in a way, it was like if you were getting away with stuff yeah. one way, but needed that heavier hand. I wasn't a naughty kid. I was mischievous. That's for damn sure. I was very mischievous, but I was always pushing the boundaries. It was more so when I got older. Okay. When I was older, I just had these two things. I had no fear and I had way too much confidence. Like I was never scared of anything. And then I was always confident in everything I did. 
didn't matter. And that helps me like later on when we get to the next part of my story. All right. Peak time. So why don't you tell us about the defining moment? Okay. All right. So it gets worse before it gets better, boys. So buck yourself up. All right. So 2015, I'm going through this downward spiral, right? And you boys know this better than most. I'm a boy's boy. I love the boys more than anything, right? So this is the first moment where I've crossed a boundary that is a moral boundary of mine. I've crossed many of them before this, but this one you'd understand because you know me. So I went on an Oz tag tour and on the Friday night, and you know, this is like all my mates get together. It's the only time we all, all get together. So it's a big deal for us. We've won a couple of tournaments together. We were the first Canola team to ever, ever win this tournament. You know, it's a big deal. It's the Nationals. So we go away. It's on the Friday night that the first couple of games are, I play pretty good. I'm like, you know what? I have a couple of beers. I have a couple of beers. Those couple of beers end up going into a few bags. And then to the point where I was still sniffing rack at 7 a.m. the next morning when we had a game at 8.30. I get on the bus to go with the boys. They all know what's going on. We go to the game. I play half the game. And then I go, boys, I've got to go. Getting an Uber or taxi back then. I don't even know what it was. Go home and I sleep the rest of the day. Now, in these tournaments, you need every single player to be there. And I was a big part of that team as well. So the boys were filled with that. I mean, the next day we go into the quarterfinals and we're, we're not looking good because we have to play one of the highest seed teams. We get our first game. Now, you would think that I learned my lesson from that, right? Two weeks later, I go away for Australia. We play on the Friday night. Same thing. I play against New Zealand and I play good. And I'm with the boys. I'm like, all right, let's have a couple of beers to celebrate. We play good. I think we got a draw against them. I mean, we weren't expected to. So this time, not only did I go all the way to the next day, I went to the next day, but I didn't turn up to a game. I told the boys that I'll meet them down there. I got a taxi to the airport because it was up the Sunshine Coast. I got on a plane, came home, and continued to bend her at home. Didn't tell anyone. Just by myself, yeah? By myself, yeah. So this is the end of 2015. By now, you asked me a question, when did it start spilling over to my business? Yeah, it's, we're there. We're well and truly there. So not only am I having a lot of relationships probably with Chloe, but also the gym is just, it's on a downward spiral itself. Or, you know, we're losing members left, right and center. And my business partner at the time, love him. He's a legend. Still love him. Still talk to him. He's a king. Like this guy is so nice. Like he'd never, he never did the wrong thing by anyone. AJ Hatch, right? So he goes, I'm going to go down the coast. I'm going to start my own gym down there. I was like, you know what? I don't blame you, but at the time, I didn't want to say that to him. We had a guy that invested in our business earlier on. He invested 27K into our business. So just before I went away on this tour, my grandma passed away. And that was when I went for like a two-week bender before that as well. There was actually a time when I walked into the hospital off my head to go see her, but thank God she was asleep and she didn't see me. But during that time, we had a meeting that like around the same time and this guy was in there and I, I got in a BI where we got in a fight. And so he left the business as well. And then I had these two other trainers that were there and they were pretty good as well. But the gym was really starting to suffer. So it was about two weeks out from Christmas and I took these boys, the two trainers, I took them to this factory just around the corner from here. And I'm like, hey, boys, this is the factory I'm going to go to next. Are you boys in with me? Like, yeah, we're keen. This looks good. I'm like, yeah, sweet. I'll sign the lease when I get back from holidays. And I've got to clear out this gym here, which is just around the corner as well. I'll clear that out over the week before Christmas. So that whole two weeks leading into that, I was just on banners, on banners. Now, to the point, 
where I even had a bend on by myself, I had to clean the whole gym on my own on Christmas Eve and I did it off my head. Yeah, I bended the whole day. And God love one of my mates, Cotton Socks, he came and helped me the whole day. The whole day, just me and him. And I'll be forever grateful to that guy and he knows it. He's got a lifetime membership at any gym that I ever go to because of that. He's helped me out twice. The first time obviously was much worse. So that was going into Christmas Eve. I bended all the way through to Christmas Day. I got home at five or six in the morning. And then I was like, all right, I need to start this year, a better year. So I was like, I'm not drinking, you know, for like two, three months. It got to New Year's Day and I had Chloe at my house and I went on an impromptu bender at like 9 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Didn't get home for two days. So she broke up with me, right? And she flies to Bali with her sister and her mom. So then I'm absolutely lost, right? So I know I've got this, this sad. Uh, like, were you sad about me? Really sad, really sad. But I didn't want to admit it. Like, I wouldn't know it back then. I wouldn't have told anyone. I was like, nah, I'm sweet. I didn't want to be with her anyway. But, you know, I was deep down, I was, I was so heartbroken. And then I went down the coast and um, this is where I get through cute. I put on a bit of weight too. It was a bit fat for me, which is not normal. And then I shaved my head. I like Britney Spears. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause I didn't think one people to recognize who I was. Really? Yeah. So I come back from down the coast to sign this lease and the lease has been taken. And then I end up finding out that someone put in a bit, you know, a little bit more. And to be honest, I was relieved. I was relieved. It, I would have, it would have sunk me anyway. But the two trainers that I took there, they took that lease and they've been messaging all my clients or, you know, all the clients while wow. I'm back. So I lost that factory that I was going for, but like I said, I was relieved. And then I found out that they were messaging all my clients and lost all my clients, right? So, but me, being me, I still was so confident that I could come back. So confident. So you're back to zero, right? You got no no business, no clients, nothing. Nothing. And like- No misses. No misses. And a tarnished reputation. Yeah. Is this rock bottom yet? No. This is what I thought was rock bottom. So I go two months, right, sober, and I get a new lease. So it was just down the road again on Alexander Road, but it was behind a, um, a seafood factory and it was above a trailer manufacturer and it was tiny and I restarted keep young. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll be good here. Like, it'll be fine. Like, and just, you know, just keep trucking forward and, it'll, and then the clients will come. I could not pay someone to come train with me. I got in, like, arguments with my friends, you know, who I thought I'd done a lot of things for that. I was like, hey, can you just come train with me? I couldn't get anyone to come train me. I had three PT clients in total and, you know, I was in this deep, dark hole and I just couldn't get out of it. I mean, Chloe was still broken up and I was, yeah, I was in a dark, dark way. And then I go two months over, like I said, and we go away on another Oztag tournament and you'd think I'd learn three, three in a row, right? Again. Three in a row. Friday night comes around. We play good on the first night. Get back to the hotel. I go back into the bathroom, have a line, and thank God the rack was no good because it, it did nothing to me. I was able to go to sleep. I played the Saturday and the Sunday, and we, we made it to the Grand Final, but we didn't win. But then I knew I was going to drink on that Sunday. It was always the plan. I went all the way through. I went all the way through the Sunday to the Monday on the bus ride home. I was kept going all the way through. But there's some change now, though. There's some different in my mind. I was reckless. I was reckless. And we got home and, um, it might have been a week later. I'm not too sure, but it wasn't too far after. I got an email. Remember that guy said that he invested 27K? So we had to pay him out. I think it was like 18 grand. And we'd been paying him off, paying him off. And then I thought because I started a new business that that was separate and I wouldn't have to pay that. But we had to pay another eight grand and um, I couldn't pay it. I was making like 250 bucks a week before rent and rent was 500 bucks. 
you know, I was, I was nowhere. So rather than me having these conversations with the people I need to have the conversations with, I went on a bender. Now this is, this is the bender of all benders. I go to Canal Leagues Club and I start there. But a long story short, I went for four days. I went from Tuesday to Friday. I go 17 bags. I gambled over 10 grand and I, I didn't sleep a wink for those entire four days. And it's just me, me and like every now and then one of my mates will pop in. But yeah, four days. Now, my parents were away at the time. And my mum woke me up and I'm like, what is mum doing here on the Friday? It was Good Friday. She wakes me up. It was like one or two in the arvo. And she wakes me up. I've been on a four-day bender, so I'm pretty scattered as it is. And she goes, what is going on with you? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm trying to get up and trying to answer and trying to put clothes on. And she's coming at me the questions. And then she goes, what is actually the problem? And it just came out. I go, I've got a gambling problem. She goes, bullshit. My mum's this like five foot and nothing little Chinese lady, cute as a button. I've never, ever heard her say a swear word in her life. And it rattled me, absolutely rattled me. And I got in my car and then this is where it gets tough, boys. So I get in my car and this is where I decide that I'm going to kill myself. Oh my God. So I get in my car and I drive out to Canada where the cliffs are. Oh my God. Yeah. And then um, I, I write a letter to Jet and I write a letter to Jet saying, sorry, I'm sorry, I can't be the dad that you deserve. I know that you're going to make that proud. I love you. So I wrote, I wrote Jenny this note. No matter how many times I tell that story, it actually probably gets harder, to be honest. Like now that Jet's, you know, eight years old. And I write this note and I blocked everyone in my phone. Over the course of the four-day bender, because I had so many people trying to stop me and I was reckless on that bender. Like I was reckless. Like I was doing things that just was out of character. And yeah, I blocked everyone in my phone, but Chloe got through to me. She was the only one that I hadn't blocked. And then she convinced me, you know, to not kill myself. And then I went and met up with her and I spent the night with her. And then the next day I walked into my parents' house. And I remember walking down towards the front door when my mum came out. And before she said anything to me, she said, do you want to go to rehab? I didn't even know how she knew or what she knew. But all I said back was, yeah, I'll go. She goes, sweet. You, you're on a plane to Thailand in three days. I was like, Thailand? Okay, this is happening. And this is where my life changed. This is where everything changed for me. And this, this is the moment. This is the moment. This is this is the moment. So I get to Thailand and it's in Chiang Mai. So you fly to Phuket, then you jump on a, on another plane 45 minutes later and you land in Chiang Mai and it's like a third world country, right? And it's like the worst part of Bali is the, probably the best way to explain it. But it just keeps getting worse. And the longer we're going in this car trip as well from the airport, it's getting worse and like we're on a bad road as it is. And then we turn up a, a dirt road and then we're going up a mountain. I'm like, right, this is happening. So I get there on a Friday night and um, I remember the first thing I thought, the people that I met there were all young. So everyone was like 26 or younger. I think that I was the like the youngest at 26. Yeah. And then there's one guy that was a little bit older. And then on the Monday, I did my first ever process group. And you know, in the movies where you see everyone sit around in a mm. circle and they go, hi, my name's Travis. I'm an addict. Yeah. Exactly like that. But there's one thing that they add. I said the same thing every single time. Her name's Travis, and you have to say how you feel. I was like, I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And I remember I said it the first time, and the guy's like, why are you nervous? I'm like, because this is really uncomfortable for me. He's like, oh, why are you excited? I go, because I know this is the start of a new chapter for me. So this guy's sitting next to me, right where you are, Dose, right? And he's just a little bit younger than me, and he's telling his story. And it's like a movie, right? Like this guy's going through this story, and it's like four or five pages long. 
and he tells his story and then everyone's like, oh, that was really good. And the room goes quiet and um, the counselor sitting across from me, he goes, does anyone else want to share? I was like, this is happening. So I then for the next 45 minutes told my entire story from start to finish, similar to what I told you boys just then, but in much, much more depth. I've told things that not only had I never spoken to anyone else about, but I never even said them out loud. Never, never, ever. And when I finished, everyone clapped, right? And I was like, I don't know why everyone clapped. I just thought maybe that's what everyone does. That afternoon, I had a meeting with my counselor, and that was one of the first questions I said to him. So why did everyone clap when I finished my story? He goes, because you know that guy that told his story beforehand? I said, yeah. He goes, it took him three weeks to tell his story. And it's only a 28-day program, so you don't need a week to go. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He goes, if you can continue to do that, challenging yourself, opening yourself up every single day, you are going to improve tenfold. And then his next line was, how comfortable are you with that if you want to live a happy and healthy life, you can never drink, you can never take drugs, and you can never gamble again? I said, that's sweet. He goes, like, are you upset about it? I said, no. I mean, that, that's, if that's a solution, that's what I've got to work on. I don't want to come back to this. And he said, keep that. I said, okay. So over the next three weeks, I delved into everything, right? So... I, I remember this one. They got a letter my mum wrote to me. Right? Oh, and I wasn't I'm a little, a letter. she hand wrote me a letter and I had to read it out in front of the whole crew. And I wasn't allowed to read it beforehand. He goes, I'll normally do this. He did it in week one. I got this letter week one, had to read it out. Every challenge he gave me, I would just jump in. Every time they wanted me to put my hand up. It's the same with you boys, right? You see, every time you guys ask a question, I'm the first one to answer. It was the same kind of mentality back then. But my difference was I wasn't blaming mum or dad. Wasn't blaming, you know, auntie, uncle, friends. It was my fault. I was there. Everyone around me had this, you know, it was Johnny's fault. It was someone else's fault. The difference. So every you already recognised that there was a difference. I knew before I even got there, I was a direct reflection of my own actions. No one else's. I knew that from the start. That's my defining moment in rehab. Was that I knew that everything that I had done previously. Everything wrong, everything right. The reason why where I was was because of those actions and those choices that I made. No one else's. No one else can tell me what to do because at the end of the day, it was my choice, no matter what. And why was that good news? Because I knew that from here on, everything that I did was also my choice. Fuck yes. So... A week before I had to leave, right, and all my mates that are there, right, they've even been told they need to stay for another two weeks, four weeks, two months, three months. There was a girl that had been there for six months. She was 17, couldn't even legally drink. And um, and they all got told in this process group, big circle, and they're like, one of them was kicking up stink. I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to go. I don't want another two weeks. And then the, the counselor, who was my counselor, sitting directly across from me, he goes, out of the guys that are here, there'll only be 2% of you that will stay sober for six months if you'd only do 28-day program. So if you only do a 28-day program, there's only going to be 2% of you that are going to stay sober for six months. It was an uproar. You know, this girl over here is going, this is bullshit. I'm leaving now. I can't get through this. This guy over here is going, I'm going home today. Cool, man. Blah, blah, blah. And they're just going off, right? And that's the thing about addicts, especially in this situation, they're all... Like all kicking off. Everyone's <laughs> one, mate, and they just jump on the back of me, right? I'm sitting there. Yeah, what are you doing? Arms crossed, legs straight, leaning back, directly across from my counselor. And like I said, I'm very vocal in all these groups. And he looks at me, he goes, Trav, find you saying anything. 
And I just looked like, stared at him, shaped like just blankly. I go, because I'm going to be the 2%. This will be the first and this will be the last time I'll ever be in rehab. And that room went dead quiet. No one said a thing. And from that moment, I knew, like I knew day one, I wasn't ever coming back, but I knew right then and there, like this, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm comfortable with it and, and I'll stand on my own two feet. And no matter who's around me, who's barking off, whatever that they decide to do, I'm always going to live my life the way I want to live my life. So I get home from, from rehab and it's not all roses and rainbows from there, right? It's actually three times harder because when I'm in Thailand, all my problems are back home. Yeah. When I come home, all my problems are still here waiting for me. All the debt that I was in, I was in 30K debt for drugs, for whatever else I was in debt for. So I come home and the th- first three months is really hard. I remember three months after I got home, I'm crying and I'm on the phone to Chloe and I'm like, I'm doing everything right, but things are still not going well. And I remember just like being so upset about it. And she's like, you just got to keep going. Just go one more day. This wasn't like I was ever going to drink again, but she's like, you just got to keep pushing for one more day. So the next day I just get up, go about my work. I got my two or three clients. I'm starting to get group classes back and I launched this challenge and it was in around August. I just finished the footy grand final and we won as well. By the way, I almost got caught up on stage to to scout a beer. No one knew that I wasn't drinking, but my mate knew that I wasn't drinking and he handed me a glass of water. When I got up on stage and and even Pat was there and Pat was behind me, we weren't mates then. He was like, get up and drink the beer, you pussy. Mm, but no one knew. So anyways, I launched this challenge. I remember thinking if I get 30, I'd be stoked. I'd be stoked when we got 60. And then I was like, all right, you're doing the right thing now. And then I remember the next challenge, I'm like, I'll be so stoked. This is like a cardinal sin. I went like two weeks after finishing that challenge and did another challenge like two weeks after because I had a last little rush before Christmas and I got 80 onto that. So my highest number that I ever had at Keeping Young was 110. I was at 110 members at now Reborn and it had only been like six months. And Reborn was actually invented in rehab. I was going to say, yeah, where did Reborn go to do it? Yeah. So I was on a bus. Important. I was on a bus home from um from like an excursion and he was a full-ass junkie, right? And this guy was hilarious. And I'm talking to him, I'm like, brother, I can't go back and call my gym, keep it young again. I've got to change it up. And he's like, yeah, I know, man. He's like, he's real hyper. He's, he's talking to me and he goes, you just got to change it. And he's like, you got to be reborn. Oh, wow. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah, that's good. I go, reborn. I go, that's the name. And he goes, yeah, reborn. And I remember driving home. Hey, this guy's a <laughs> hyper. He's punching the roof, going, reborn, reborn. <laughs> So I get home from the excursion in rehab and I actually drew the very first logo, this the circle one, I drew that and then I sent it to not this cousin, another cousin of mine. And by the time I landed, I already had a, a reborn logo ready to go. So yeah, that's you, right? That's me. Everyone else in that circle heard the 98% failure. Yeah. And they kicked off about it. I kicked whinged. Yeah. yeah. You heard 2%. Yeah. And you created reborn. Yeah. From rehab. Yeah. And... By well, the time you landed back in Sydney, yep. you had your first logo. Logo ready to go. And my mindset was so different though. Keep It Young was about big um, six pack, what we've got on, on Instagram, the box gap, everything that was the rage back then. Now I was like, no, I want to train for your mental health because it's all well and good to look good, but it means nothing if you don't feel good. If, you know, if you're not mentally strong, 
and you're not having a lifestyle that matches it as well. So that was the change. I was like, I want to get home. I'm going to make this gym that's about, you know, training for your mindset, training for your mental health, and that your lifestyle matches that. That's where Reborn came from. And it just snowballed so quickly because I was projecting a different image now. I wasn't worried about, you know, the big arms or anything like that. I was just worried about, all right, how is this going to make you feel when you leave? Because at the end of the day, if you're training for your mental health, your physical results are going to show for themselves anyway. So that was the mindset shift. I came home and after six months at that little dingy little factory, I then had to upgrade and and that's where I'm at at the moment. And I've been there for six years since. Yeah. And in and, and that six years, boys, I still managed to make every single mistake you possibly can. <laughs> I'm still going to keep making those mistakes. I've always said if the, like it happened in lockdown. Yeah, I remember you saying. And I've said it now, like if the great reset happened in this industry and it was a race, the first one to 350 or the first one to a million dollars again, I put my money on you. Yeah. Like ahead of me. You you do have that thing about you where, you know what they say, like it's like they say about a cockroach. Like you just can't cope kill it. Like you just, they'll never, like it has to be an atomic fucking thing to, yeah. to end you, right? Like- it's just this, I don't know, this unwavering confidence that I've always had in myself. And I don't know, maybe that's, uh, that's anything I think of that was attractive to for Chloe to stick around because I have no idea. Well, she's a godsend. Yeah, she really is. Um, let's get unfiltered, right? Yeah. Even more so. Yeah. What's something people assume about you that isn't true? That's a hard one. Because I'm so open about everything. I don't know, Doze. I don't know what people perceive about me. To, to be honest, like I am who I am. Since I've been back from rehab, I've always owned who I am. I don't know. I think I'm like I'm, I'm a big voice. I'm loud, but the only thing I can think of, but it's not a very good one, is that people think that I'm always loud. I'm actually really quiet at home. I know that I'm really, really, really quiet at home. I've told Sophie that, mm-hmm. like, with Sophie's mentioned how much like energy and you have, and I've said, yeah, that there's a crash though. Yeah, I'm really quiet at home. I don't speak much at home. So during COVID, one of my mates lived with me for the whole time. Two weeks before COVID, he broke up with his missus and he goes, oh, I'll just be here for two weeks. End up losing his job, beauty. He's at my house for the whole two and a half years of COVID. <laughs> but he, he used to get people messaging him going like, is it just so loud at the house? He's like, no, nah, he actually doesn't say anything. When I'm at home, I'm I'm just with my kids. I'm quiet. I don't know. That's probably the only thing that I can think of because I'm, I'm honestly, I'm open book up. I've always said it to you boys that when we've had our one-on-one meetings, I'm like, you guys can throw anything at me. I'll always be honest with you. And it comes back from that first day in rehab where I was just accountable to everything. Do you know what? Because I was going to ask, like, what is it about you, Trav? And I think you've already laid down some clues here. I've known you for years, but even now, like, I just learned so much about you that I didn't, I didn't realize the magnitude of like what makes you tick and why you do certain things the way you do. And it is that accountability. Like when we first started working together, you just needed someone else to shine the torch on something. And then you just went for it a hundred percent, right? There was never a delay between learning and launching something. You just fucking, by the end of the phone call, you already launched it. Right. Yeah. We see it all the time, right? It's like, hey, hey, Trav, check out this book. And then we get a text message the next day. Yeah, I've read it. <laughs> i got my notes for it. Yeah, yeah here with my notes. Yeah. Like I said at the start, if I do something, I do it with everything. Because like one of my questions is, and this is like, let's get real here, okay? So there are some studios that are in the same market as you right here. Yeah. Like within five Next kilometers of where we are right now, yeah. there are other studios in this same local area market that are shutting their doors. Yeah. But you're going from strength to strength month on month, right? What is that? Like, why is that? Do you have the same access to everything? Yeah. I think because my vision's so big. Like, I've heard people say that I'm successful, right? 
to me, like it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm not successful. And why I say that is because what I perceive as successful, I'm not even close to that yet. I know what I want to achieve. I know when I'm going to achieve it. And it's not right now. So what I think the difference between me and them is that I'm not satisfied with, you know, the 300 members. Like, oh, I want to go big. Like, oh, I want to be the best. Like, and when I say best, you always ask me, like, what, is, what does good look like? Or what does the finish look like? I don't want to have one gym that has 300 members. Like, I want this new gym that we're about to build. I want it to be the best gym in Australia. Wow. And then from there, I want to franchise. But I don't want to just have, you know, a couple franchises that are just put on a corner that go pretty good. I want all of them to be the best as well. I want them to have the same community. Not one's pretty good, one's okay. I want all of them to be the best. And I want them to have that culture that they're helping people's lives in, not just physically, like mentally, like the messages that I get every single week from members where we've changed their lives in different ways. That's the kind of gyms that I want to have. I want them to be the best where they're not just another facility. I want them to mean something to every person that walks in that door, mean something to them. Everyone has their own reborn story, right? It's not just me. Everyone has their own origin story. Everyone fucks up. Everyone makes mistakes. And it's the ones that can come back from those mistakes and able to own them are the ones that really, really succeed. So having teams where people feel comfortable with that as well. Is that why you're doing this? Like, is that what fuels you every day when you wake up? Yeah. I don't want anyone to get to the position that I got to. I want people to see my story and be inspired by it. I want people to see where I've been. If they're in that same position, know that not only can they come out of it, but they can come out of it 10 times better than what, when they went in. Because the reason that I am the, the man I am is because of the failures that I've gone through. If I didn't go through those moments, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Mm. I remember I got asked a question once in a podcast and someone said, if you could go back in time and change anything, what would you change? I sat there for you know two minutes trying to think of something. I couldn't think of anything. And this was my answer was, Although I have so much shame and so much guilt on the people that I hurt and the things that I did to the people around me, I don't regret what I did to myself because I taught myself resilience. I taught myself mental toughness and I had to put myself through those tough times to show that I can get out of those tough times. And because of those moments, I will be successful. Not right now, not today, not tomorrow, but I will be successful because of it. Because of those moments, they defined who I am as a person and I know like you said, if you stripped everything away from me right now, I'm still coming back. Mm. I'll go again because I know I've got that in me. I've been to rock bottom. It doesn't scare me because I've been there. I know if I can get out of it and I can come back better. Last time I can do it again. So like, I don't want to just kind of slide on by that. I do have a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. I hurt a lot of people. I did the wrong thing by a lot of people. But at the same time, I don't get what I did to myself because that taught me the per- to be the person I am now. Dude. Okay. So there's no more, is it? Just for the viewers and the listeners, you're in a good spot now, right? You're actually, yeah, from our perspective. Yeah, I'll give you the quick one. So now I'm seven years sober. So I'm seven years, three months, and a few days or something like that. I'm not too sure, but I'm I'm over seven years sober. Now, where my story is so different from everyone else, I've never even been close to relapsing. I've never had one moment where I've been close to having a drink, going and gambling. And people always say to me, oh, you must have the, the strongest willpower. It's not true. It's just that I don't put myself in these environments that could be triggering for myself. Are you still playing like Oz Tag a lot? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been on those tours. Yeah. I've been on, on many of them since, but because I've owned my shit, the boys know they it. know. Yeah. I've been so accountable to everything that I do. I put it down the table. I'm so open. The boys know that I don't drink. 
And when people ask me if they don't know me, they say, do you want to drink? I said, no, but that's all good. I don't drink, and, right? There's a big difference. If there's any addicts out there that are trying to stay sober, the most powerful language you can use is the language you speak to yourself. So when someone says to me, do you want to drink? I said, no, I don't drink. Opposed to- You don't want to drink. I'm trying not to drink. Oh, okay. All right. So that's the big one. Right? I'm trying not to drink because you're, you're then identifying someone trying not to drink. But when I say, no, I don't drink, I'm not a drinker. That, that's the language I'm speaking to myself. So yeah, seven years sober, like you said, we've got 350 plus members. We're going for 400 by the end of the year. We're about to open up a new facility in October, November, um, which is going to be double the size, recovery center, all three rooms, which is a functional training room, strength room, PT room, all going to be double the size of what we've got at the moment. And we're going strength for strength. And, and that's a thanks to you guys, to be honest. Like going back to those mistakes, I was still making those mistakes at the start of this year. You know, there's things that you boys have taught me in, in this, what are we in? Like six months into the year, I think I started around March. So what, three, four months and my business has changed so much because of you guys. Appreciate that. Thought, but you have to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you have to do it. Now, I'm going to to the live coaching moment right here. Yeah. Right? Knowing more about the story, I reckon you need to do more of that with your particular Reborn studio. Like, I just think, I think there's more to go. There's more juice yeah. in how you really ignite that amongst your community, amongst your team, and get your members to share their sort of Reborn story and have such a vulnerability around that community where it's not even about the calories anymore, no. right? Because I think that's that's an evolution that you've needed to, you know, training a Reborn a couple of years ago might have just been about the boys in footy. Yeah, heaps of, well, if heaps, heaps of footy, you heaps. I would challenge you and say, with love, obviously, challenge you and say, that's actually not in alignment to that moment where you came up with this idea with, yeah. that, with that guy on the bus on the way back to the rehab thing. And it, yeah. And actually, he saw it. Yeah. You saw it back then. I reckon you can do more to be in alignment and create something really fucking special. It's got nothing to do with how many calories you burn in that work. It's funny that you say that, Dozer, because you didn't go into as much depth as you just did that, but you mentioned it to me in one of our first conversations. And since then, I've been working on that a lot and talking about, we were talking about members have their own reborn story. Find out those stories. Yeah. I think I might have even been a bit ruder and said, it's not about you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've been doing is finding out their stories. People aren't quite comfortable telling the in-depth stories yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. And we're going to be doing a lot more work with them. Um, with you know getting those stories out there more because it can become a center of rebirth yeah it's not a gym no like the business that you're in is actually giving people a second chance yeah and it's from everything it's not just drug addiction or alcohol addiction it's like it could be breakup totally you know it could be heartbreak of losing a loved one like those all these different things that you can be reborn from that i'm finding out since we had that conversation does i've been asking those types of questions with my members and like you know what's your reborn story and you'll be surprised if how many people have a story in it. Like I said, it, most of the time is it, it isn't around drugs and alcohol. There is a few. Like there's probably seven or eight boys at the gym now that are like a year, two years, three years sober because of my story. I almost see a wall in your new facility of like, you know, a photo and someone, they write their reborn story on that and it becomes part of a whole. That's cool. Trevor needed a pretty big wall for his story. Yeah, fucking hell. Sorry about that. A few A3 posters. Now listen, when I think about you... I think about all the brands you admire. I think about all the idols that you admire. In your gym, there's photos of certain athletes and yeah. personalities, and you definitely have these role models in life. When I say high performance, what do you think of? And tell me about some of your routines that keep you in. Yeah. So high performance, I, I think is someone that's 
consistently. They can not only do it for two, three weeks, two, three months, like they can do it end on end and just keep getting up, keep getting the results and, and making sure that, you know, what they did three years ago is better than what you were then. And every year you're getting better and be able to consistently do those things. So for me, the big thing is around that consistency because I've got like this saying, like whenever you're in a fight, but when things are going wrong, it's the person that's willing to stay in the fight and keep throwing the punches. That is eventually get the momentum's going to swing. That's you, uh, and that's me. That's you. And that's like you know, I've had, I've had a really tough like six to twelve months lately with like personal. I like you know, I had a brother-in-law pass away two months ago, and there's a lot of business things that I was really struggling through last year with my landlord. So I've had a lot of resilience in it since I came out of Rewind, I'm a guy that gets a lot of green lights and just feels like I've been getting orange lights, red lights, orange lights, red lights, a lot of the, the new thing. But I just keep saying to myself, you just got to keep throwing the punches. Keep being consistent. The momentum will swing. And when it swings, the momentum will be in your way and then everything will change again. And I think that's a high performer that they know that in the grind, in those moments when everyone wants to give up, I know that if I keep going through that moment, that I'm going to get through the other side. I'm going to come out even better again. It's like the overnight success story, right? Everyone will see Trav in the new facility, there's chocker block, but they don't realize that there's been red lights and orange lights yeah. for seven years leading up to that, right? Well, we're going to do a documentary. I mean, oh, in the Nate Dog, we'll do a lot of stories about, like, that's the thing about business, right? Everyone wants to share the highlight reel and it looks like the overnight success, yeah. right? As a business owner, you boys know that's just bullshit. Total bullshit. Total bullshit. Can you imagine if you guys got to film, you sitting in your driveway? having to sit there when it's raining and you're sitting there looking down at their account and you're like, fuck, I've got no money. I've got to go in and tell my wife that we've got no money. I made the wrong decision. Can you imagine if that was documented back then? Like I'm going through that shit at the moment. There's moments still happening to me because every time I get to put certain position in business, like I said to you boys before, I'm not successful because I'm not even halfway. I'm not even quarter of the way ever I want to go. I'm doubling down again and again and again. So these moments are still held up to me. Fucking love that. But that's a good frame, right? When you think about thinking patterns, that's a good frame. It's like when you're having one of those fucking shit moments, you think, what if this is one of those hero moments yeah. in the movie yeah. where it's kind of like that sort of, it's the B-roll yeah. and it's the cut scene of like, you're sitting in his driveway or like he's down and out and it's like, we know that he's not fucking down and out huh. because he's the main guy in this movie. Yeah. You said it best. It's like you had two options. You could go in there and you could tell your wife that this is the situation and the next day you get up and fucking get it done. Mm. Again, that was your two options. And you had two options at rehab. You could either be part of the 98% or decide to be part of the 2%. Yep. And then you fight off a creative brief for a new logo in rehab. Yeah. Hand drawn. Fuck. Okay. So again, I don't want to talk about how you get your leads and all that kind of shit because it's not even really that important to this. You're a big family man. Fast forward to now, you've got three beautiful kids, right? Amazing family, three beautiful kids is a deep question. So the thing that I realized through lockdown, right, I had a moment where I thought I was cooked down and I was still waking up at the same time every day. And I didn't realize that Amaya, my firstborn, was awake and I was putting on my shoes at like four o'clock in the morning and I was just going to put on my shoes and then just head out for a walk and just clear my head. And she sort of put her hand on my back and she said, you're doing a good job, daddy. Oh, stop. So <laughs> And it fucking, I like didn't cry in front of her. But when I went for that walk, I was a mess. And what we don't realize is our kids are watching. Yeah. What do you want your kids to read out and say about you? By the way, this is going at your funeral. I'm doing Zachary going. We got those tissues. Yeah. That, you know, dad was, that was who he said he was. 
he's for this is tough though it's not i know exactly what i want to say but it's that dad was a man of his word what he said he was going to do he would do if he said he'd be up at 3 3 in the morning and train he would train if he said that he was going to walk mount kosciuszko he's going to do it that was a man of his word and everything that he did he did it his 100 percent, and he gave everything that he had towards that and that was everything from being your dad business owner sport fitness everything yeah. Well, tough one. Jesus. Kids, man. Get me every time. You every time. I can't watch kids movies then, man. Okay. <sighs> You're doing it, dude. You're yep. fucking doing it. Like everything that you've fucking been through, like 98% of it fucking everyone else. Yeah, that's just the last six months, too. That's not even the statistics of, you know. Yeah, like, well, that's, what's, the, what's the seven years statistic? Oh, it'd be under, yeah, it'd be very, like, I'll, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, I'd I'm not telling you, if there's anyone going through this, I'm not saying to do this, by the way, but I don't go to any meetings or anything like that either. Like, I went to three coming back, and and I say this respectfully, guys, so if you've been to meetings, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, everything, it's a sob story where everyone was a victim of life. And yes, like I said at the start, a lot of this stuff, there is trauma that's involved, but you've got to draw the line in the sand where you become accountable to your own actions and that you are in the driver's seat and you are the person that is making the decisions and the choices every single day. You are not your past. You are not what's happened to you. You are, from this moment on, you are a direct reflection of your actions. And I found that when I was going into these things, it was just, you know, this Johnny, I'm 52, I'm 10 years sober, is another tough day. You know what yeah. I mean? And I was just like, brother, 10 years sober, you're the no, you, man. What happened is you had a transformation and you didn't associate with that identity anymore. Yep. That's exactly what it was. So- Looking forward, this time next year, dude, let's, oh, let's bring Ali home. This time next year, what are we celebrating, dude? This time next year, we'll be celebrating, what are we in now, June? So this with time water, next year- With water. Yeah, with water. And smart Sparkling water, for sure. We'll hit over 600 members. And what have you created? What are people saying about this place that you've created when they're with their friends for brunch on the weekend? It's like the old- And this gets said now- they're saying this is like Disneyland, but for adults, right? It's like the fitness Disneyland for adults. Everything's under one roof and every, you know, you've got John and Sally over there just started three weeks ago and they've become best friends. They're having a coffee and they're hanging out and they're talking to each other. And then you've got, you know, these two blokes that come from two completely different walks of life that we never speak to each other if it wasn't for the gym, who are now catching up on the weekend and, they, and they're going to do sand dunes together. It's that place where friendships and bonds are made where, in the most unexpected relationships, people are just, they're walking around going, have you been to Rewind? It's like fitness Disneyland. You've never been to something like this before. That's what I want people to be saying. They already say it about the current Rewind. Uh, you know, that's going to be tenfold in the next place. And why is that so important to you? Because I want people to, to have that healthy lifestyle where they're the best person for themselves and to get real niche, be the best parents. You know, like you see how much like being a dad means to me and you, like I want parents to be the best form of themselves before their kids. And that's why it's so important to me is that I'm creating these people to have a healthy lifestyle at a place where they can get it all done under one roof. So it's it's frictionless. It's easy for them to do so that they get it done and they become the best versions of themselves for their kids. You know what you're creating is generational transformation. Yeah. Yeah. I read that in the vision. Mm. Like by the time, you know, I'm 50, 60 years old, like my kids will be running these and then the, the trainers' kids will be running the other ones. What advice would you give our listeners 
who are still with us, if you're still there, hang on. If they've just had a run of red lights, red lights and orange lights, if they think they're down on their luck or they're trying to move into high performance, you know, they're hearing this and they're hearing clues around what makes a high performer tick and what must have happened in their life to have to be a high performer to get out of that fucking hole. What advice would you give to them that they can put into action straight after this episode finishes? So if you go through one of those moments right now, I think he might have said this to me, though, so I could be stealing this from you, but with every breakdown, there's a breakthrough. Mm. So if you're going through one of those times where it's red flag and red light and shit just keeps hitting the wall, if you keep pushing forward with every single breakdown, and I've seen this multiple times in just the last six months, every time there's a breakdown, there's always a breakthrough if you're willing to stay in the fight. That's the only way you're going to see the breakthrough, though. Don't stop, right? You only you lose when you stop, right? Yeah. You s- how do you capture that moment? Are you journaling? Are you meditating? How do you know that, great, this is this is the breakdown, and then how do you reflect on that to get to the breakthrough? Or is it just you just keep going? And yeah, a lot of times I just keep going, but there's been moments. If you go back to the first COVID lockdown where he got told on March 23rd or whatever it was that we're going into lockdown on Monday, 12 p.m., on the Monday night, I write a post and it's like, I'm Gene, all the members up, I'm up, we're doing this. I said, I heard it in your one. You guys went live at 11. I thought we were good. We went live the next day. You were, you were late, man. Yeah, I was not going to let anyone shut us down. We were going to go live. Yeah. You went live at 11 a.m. That's boss. So if you read that, right, and I'm not actually talking to the members. I'm talking to me. I'm Gene myself up. I'm like self-motivating myself in that moment. Like it looks like that. And yes, there is an element where like I'm perceiving that I'm speaking, like I want them to think that, but I'm talking to me. That's one of those moments where I was shit hits a fan. And if you go back and you read it, I'm talking about we're going to get through this, we're going to do this, but I'm saying you, chat. Like you've obviously gone back around that post since. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew, I knew, I knew what I was doing. Like I knew, and if you read, I remember right now I had tears coming down my eyes because mm. we didn't know what was going to happen. But I had my family's livelihood, like that, that was at stake. But I also had every single trainer. So in my meeting, when we shut down, I said, no matter what happens in this lockdown, none of you lose your job. It's my role and my responsibility for if this goes for six weeks, six months, six years, that you guys all keep your job. And that is my role. And that is what's going to happen. That is my promise and my word is my word. I've picked this up a lot with this conversation, this sense of, and Brennan Bouchard in his High Performance Habit book talks about one of the traits of high performers is they attach this meaning to what they do. A number of times now you've talked about, you've made it your responsibility to get the team on your back and to get yourself out of this situation. Same thing too with your family. I know you're the baby, right? Yeah, I'm the youngest. But you're the- I'm the, yeah. I'm the you're the one. Yeah. Right? Same thing with the team. Same thing with like you're trying to like, nah, fuck this, we're going to do this together. And it's, you assume this responsibility- that's actually a trait that yeah. I've studied and, and seen that. So I think that's super interesting as well. Talk to me about some of these books. You're an avid reader. Yeah. Like what are the top three to five books that have really shaped? Because like there's a lot that we all don't know, right? Oh. I don't know what you don't know, but you don't just like put your hands up in the air. You fucking read a book every week. Yeah. So at the moment, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm reading like autobiographies at night. Because like if I was reading a lot of business books at night and I'd just wake up and you know exactly what I'm saying. I didn't even know to say the Doze. Doze has got 400 IDs in the last 30 seconds. (laughs) He gets what I'm talking about. So I've been reading autobiographies at night and I've been doing a lot of audio books as well. But if you're going to ask me for my three top books. That have been transformational for you. Because we're going to put in the show notes. Atomic Habits. Number one. Number one. Atomic Habits. Wow. 
the happiest man on earth. Happiest man on earth. Your perspective punched in the face. Yeah. You've read that one before by Eddie Jaku. He's just the guy that was in the concentration camp, right? Yeah. It's the easiest read ever. It's like 110 pages. Just do yourself a favor. It's, it's a super, super easy. And then, oh, this is so hard. I've got so many for number three. I'm going to lean towards this one because it, it was the first one that came up. It's Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Dogs. Now, that book can help you through the toughest of tough times. Like, I read that through my first marathon, and it's a lot about physical stuff, but the things that he's talking about in it, it can help you through business. It can help you through relationship problems. Like, it, it's just a, one of those books where you can't put it down, and it, like it is life-changing if you, if you have the right mindset. Yeah, lean into it, yeah, better. That's the best way of saying it. What are some of your sort of routines? Like, what are some of your daily routines? Because I know you got all- Yeah, I'm a bit of a sicko. So I get up at 3.20. Every morning to train. Why not three thirty? I don't know. It's like I just three twenty every like Sunday month, every day. So three twenty, yeah, um, Monday to to Saturday, and then on um, Sundays I get up at four twenty. Oh, sleeping, mate. Yeah, good here. You're welcome. <laughs> Everyone's welcome for that. Uh, I train. So I train four a.m. every single day except for Sundays. I train at five a.m. And then on each day, I've got like my set tasks, like my pillars, the things that like. That's, non-negotiables, that's, right? Yeah, my non-negotiables. What are they? Depends on the day. So when I finish work on Monday, I come home. Like I have, I'm really structured. I have breakfast at the same time. Like I'll literally walk in the door at seven and Chloe put breakfast down straight away. Gosh, she's a good woman. Oh, shout best. out to shout out to Chloe. All the listeners are like, shout out to Chloe. Yeah, yeah. Like every day too. Like yeah. this isn't just like. I want to give a big fucking hug this one. Yeah, she's unbelievable. So like literally as soon as that, and then that's my time that I can you know eat and kind of digress, and then I'll go straight down and I'll be. I'd have my computer things that I have to do. So it'll be my admin things. And I'm like, all right, I'll always have my schedule of my tasks to complete. Right. And then I just go through them. I'm like, all right, I've got to complete them. And then once I do that, then I go into my meetings for the day. And then I just, it always flows the same way. And I know where my pockets are for doing extra work. I know when everything's very structured and everything that I do every single day has its like common theme every single yeah. day. You have the same dinner? <laughs> no. But the things that are probably are my most structured is when I wake and train and my sleep routine. I, I should have gone straight to that because that's the, I don't eat the same things every single night, but I, I go to sleep almost the same, like within a few minutes at the same time, unless I've got an event, like a wedding or something like that. But everyone that invites me a wedding knows that like, as soon as speeches- It better be a lifetime movie. Yes. Yeah. Like if their speech is going past 8.30, like we're not late. What time are you in your bed? I'm in bed. So I have this routine where we eat at around 5 to 5.15 and I take Miami up and I shower her and when she's finished, I then call the boys up, they have their shower and then I get into bed, I read, the boys read and then when I finish reading my 10 pages, I go and say goodnight to them and it's like everyone knows exactly what's going on. My kids all sleep amazing because they know that set structure every single night but I'm asleep by like 7, 7.15. Yeah. I actually love that. So you always get replies from me at like 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Why is that so important to you? I'm just better with structure. I've got so much more time when I've got structure. People think if you've got too much habits, you become too rigid and you don't have time. I've got more time because I'm so structured. I think structure gives you freedom. Discipline yes. is freedom. Yes. Shocker. And I, I'm super disciplined. Yeah. So, like, did you have the discipline going back? Like, nah. no structure, chaos, right? You're pretty. Yeah. You're pretty- <laughs> I always I you were disappointed with the benders. Yeah. Oh, my, oh, okay. <laughs> quick, quick story. I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole. I've always been very organised um, in parts, so like my call. Mm. Like I always wanted to be organised. I could always have a clean room and stuff like that. I would have a bender bag. Right? In this bender bag, <laughs> I swear to God, swear. In this bender bag, I would have 
three chains of clothes, shorts, pants, and like a like a, a dress pants. It, it, you know, you never know what's happening with these benders, boys. Like I'd have three different shirts. I'd have three different pairs of undies. I'd have torture bag. I'd have like a bottle of Xanax. I have a bottle of Malaham. Like everything was in this bag. So if, if it was if a bender ever just popped up on my, on my lap, you were ready. I was. You were so prepared. So yeah, I had glimpses of it when I was younger, like, but most of the time I just flow in and out. But when all was structured and I was organized, I was on. So that's what I'm like now. Like yeah. everything I do is very structured and it's very organized. And I know that if I'm going to have a meeting, if I need to create a meeting, it's going to be on Thursdays or Fridays. Okay. All right. Last question. Yeah, I know this one. Oh, you do? What question do I wish that you asked and then how would I answer it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we're going to ask the question, brother. Yes. Okay. So last question. What is one question that you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? It's not so much a question I wish you, you asked me. It's a question I got asked about four or five years ago when someone said to me, why are you so open about your story? Don't you feel like you're just letting everyone to see your dirty laundry? And I remember I got my back up about it a little bit and it was in a podcast and I didn't really know how to answer it. And I was like, oh, geez, you know, I'm an open person and kind of flabbered about my answer. But now I wish that someone asked me that question. I did get asked this, a similar question in a presentation I did not too long ago. And the reason why I tell my story so much is because there's a person listening right now that I've just changed their life. There's a person right now that I've potentially saved their life. I've done so many podcasts, right? Every time I'm asked to do a podcast, I always say yes to tell my story. I did an interview about, I don't know, two months ago. This lady randomly called me. She's like, oh, I just want to do this interview. I'm like, yeah, sweet. Let's go. Let's do this, this interview. She's like, oh, do you need to know, like, you know, do I need to know anything? Is there anything you're not comfortable? I said, no, open book. Pass away. Go. Didn't think anything of it. Just thought, I actually thought it was for a local paper, like in some country town or something. It was in for the Daily Telegraph. Wow. She's like, do you need to read it? I'm like, no, don't care. What I say is like, I 100% back up. And why I say yes and why that I'm so open about my story is because every single time I've told my story, I've saved someone's lives in, in some shape or form. And I'll always be comfortable in wearing my own vulnerability because I know that with sharing that pain and vulnerability, there's someone out there right now that it's touched them and it's changed them and that's going to change their life. So... I wish that I had an answer that back then, but in saying that, I didn't have the context that I do now. Because from that Daily Telegraph interview that I told you about, I had three people message me. One of them, the person told me they were one year sober. Another person told me that they were three years sober because of my story that they heard that I was talking to you guys about from the ICE project. Another guy was five years sober and that he was suicidal and that if it wasn't for me, he would have killed himself. You don't even know this guy? Don't know him. Wow. So... When it came out of the Daily Telegraph, right? So people saw that story and I posted it on my Instagram story. I had random people message me saying, mm. thank you so much for sharing your story X time mm. because since that moment I've been sober and this is how it's changed my life. So I wish that I had an answer like that back then rather than putting up like a, a front. Or front. Yeah, it was. It was a front because I didn't have the answer. Whereas now I know. I, I didn't know why I was, to be honest, I didn't know why I was sharing my story. Mm, you know what they say is like the struggle is the point and that's one of the messages that i want to convey through these episodes is the struggle is the point yeah. and how you get to decide what you want to do with that how you want to channel what you went through so it's for a productive use rather than a destructive use yes and that's why i'm so excited this time next year you're going to have built did you say 800 
600. We can make it up. I think it's I, 800. I heard 800. We, we can go 800. That's why I'm so excited to witness and to help you along the journey to create an 800 member center for rebirth. Reborn, reborn. Yeah. yeah. And um, make it about everyone else now because that's going to be the legacy you're going to leave behind. Yeah. Legacy. That's the last page of the vision. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, mate. Another great book too. Oh, thank you for being open. Thank you for being open. And again, you know, we talk about the struggle. Your struggle can become someone else's survival guide. Yep. And that's definitely happening out there. So, you know, we're going to share this one far and wide because mental health is an important one for us yep. as well. As business owners, it is easy to, I guess, pretend that everything is going okay every single day. Mm-hmm. But like part of this is like unfiltered and raw. And the honest thing is like there are plenty of moments where you come so close to just going, fuck this. And just like there must be an easy way to- Yep. But yeah, I want to say how proud of, like how proud we are of you on behalf of, you know, all our listeners and the Joran Mo Academy and everyone that we're a part of as well, mate. We are, we are here for you and we can't fucking wait. This time next year, we're going to be celebrating at your new place. Yeah, we are. We can do the podcast there because it's going to be a podcast studio That's too. Oh, yeah. So you guys can come in there. And I, I'll bring um the film guy too. I, yes. I know him. Yes. Yeah. He's hot. If the so hot, he looks, um, looks like he's related to me or something. Well, listeners, that was a raw one. That was unfiltered. <laughs> Almost had nothing to do with gyms, but everything to do with why some studios make it and some really don't. And it's tapping into what drives you and kind of uncovering and scratching the surface. Part of the mission that I want to do with these episodes is bring on high performers like Trav and just kind of scratch beneath the surface and just go, but why? Like, why is it that that's the way you tick? And what are the clues that that leaves behind? So I want to thank you, Trav and Benny. Thank the listeners as well out there for in your ears. We love you for that. We're going to have links in the show notes. Where do people find you? Reward. So Reward Fitness Club. That's just on Instagram. Then myself, it's at Travis Young 06. And then if you want to listen to my podcast, it's called Becoming Reborn as well. So yeah. Thank All you the, boys so much. Thanks, Trevor. That was awesome, man. You know, like I think it's important. Yet a lot of people when they do podcasts as well, they just want to show the highlights. And I love this is unfiltered. And it's just raw and, and you get people on and people relate to, to fairies more than they relate, mm. relate to successes. And then that's where the lessons and that's where the growth is from as well. That's what he always says is like, you don't learn from winning. No. I learned nothing. That's why I keep making mistakes. I can learn more. <laughs> keep learning. Epic. Thanks for that, dude. No, thank you. Uh, listeners, love you lot. It's going to be links in the show notes where you can find Trav or have a link to all the books that he recommends. And we will see you in the next episode. If you found any of this valuable, please share it with other people that you will feel like might get something from this episode. It doesn't have to be gym owners because we're for everyone as well. But with that, lots of love, brother. Thank you, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If something resonated with you, then do one of two things. Either leave a review or send this episode to a mate who's in the industry who might need to hear this. But if you want more right now because your head might be spinning and you're like, all right, those, that, what the hell do I do right now? Then in the show notes, you'll find a link to where you can book in for a free 15-minute checkup on your studio where we get to have a look at how you're going right now and where some of the kind of quick win opportunities are to get you moving faster. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm in your corner. You are on the right track, and I believe in you. So keep going, and I'll see you next week.